This is a Federal News Network podcast. In response to the pandemic, a nonprofit of business executives devoted to national security issues created a commission to examine how to improve federal emergency response. Their recommendations included broadening the definition of disasters to include pandemics and cyber incidents. Their president and CEO, retired CENTCOM Commander General Joseph Votel, discussed these recommendations with the Senate Homeland Security and Governmental Affairs Subcommittee on Emerging Threats and Spending Oversight last week. Federal News Network's David Thornton joins me now with what they heard and what they talked about. So, David, tell us about this commission. What are its latest recommendations? So the commission was stood up by the Business Executives for National Security, or BENS. And in addition to industry executives and General Votel, it was also co-chaired by Jay Johnson, the the former DHS secretary. So there are some big names attached to this. Yes, they've both been on this show. So (laughs) now you're going to tell us what they're saying. Yeah, it looked at a lot of the early responses to the pandemic and interviewed hundreds of stakeholders across government and industry. And they started out by looking for a new model of emergency response. But what they found instead was that the current model is good. There are just some kinks in the execution. So they made these recommendations to address those issues. Here's General Votel discussing some of those recommendations. These include, as you mentioned, amending the Stafford Act to include pandemics, cyber events, and other emergencies of extended duration or nationwide impact. Biennial delivery of a national emergency response strategy by the Secretary of Homeland Security. Establishment of expense reporting authority for all emergency response related spending by the federal government. Redesign of FEMA's National Response Coordination Center to link responder networks and help create a common operating picture for all stakeholders. Wider inclusion of non-traditional partners by the Department of Homeland Security and FEMA in response efforts. Creation of a FEMA surge center that can deliver the situational awareness, secure information exchange, and data analytics needed to drive accurate, real-time decision-making. That was General Joseph Votel, retired CENTCOM commander and president and CEO of Business Executives for National Security. Now, there were a few other recommendations as well. We just didn't have time to include them in that clip. But they include creating a national disaster app to share information about ongoing emergency response activities and using AI to predict future disasters. Yeah, interesting finding that they had, that the model is actually pretty good, but the it's like the nation has a great violin, but nobody's very good at playing it, is basically what he was saying. At the same time, yeah. they want to increase it and make it into a cello. <laughs> so what are some of the amendments to the Stafford Act they're proposing? Well, so as I'm sure you know, the Stafford Disaster Relief and Emergency Assistance Act is what authorizes the federal government to respond when the president declares a disaster or a state of emergency. And it's also what triggers FEMA's disaster response efforts, whether they be physical or financial. Now, Ben's proposed including pandemics and cyber incidents uh, as events covered by that act. Votel noted during his testimony that while FEMA and DHS were eventually brought into the response efforts to the pandemic, the initial reaction focused on the medical nature of the event and prioritized response through the Health and Human Services Department. Here's what General Votel discussed. Here's General Votel discussing what FEMA brings to the table in these solutions. Through kind of the National Response Coordination Center, FEMA can have some ability in making sure that we have on hand the appropriate uh, resources to deal with any of these particular emergencies. An important role that FEMA plays in this through things like the NRCC 
is the ability to have uh, well-established relationships uh, with industry and uh, and with other uh, civil organizations out there who are providing the resources for this. That was Ben CEO General Joseph Votel. Now, what this takes into account is a key sticking point in early pandemic response, that while HHS had the expertise in medical issues, it didn't have the infrastructure needed to acquire PPE, ventilators, or distribute aid on the scale needed to respond effectively. On the other hand, while FEMA doesn't have the medical expertise, it has exactly that infrastructure. Republican Senator Bill Cassidy of Louisiana pointed this out and asked former FEMA Administrator Craig Fugate, who also testified, how to strike the right balance between that expertise and that infrastructure. Here's Fugate's answer. It's going back to FEMA's classic role, Senator. Uh, FEMA's a support agency. They're not the lead agency. Uh, They support governors in most disasters or in the case of a lead federal agency like HHS, where HHS is in charge of the response. But FEMA has a convening power. It has tools under the Stafford Act. It has capabilities to support that. It wasn't much different than our role in supporting the Center for Disease Control during Ebola. Uh, We didn't take over that response, but we sent teams in to help CDC staff. That was former FEMA Administrator Craig Fugate. So the amendment to the Stafford Act would bring FEMA into that support role earlier on and clarify the role of supporting the agency that actually leads the federal response. Interesting. We've been hearing updates to FEMA with every disaster for probably since the last 25 years. I mean, even going back to Hurricane Katrina and before that, uh, FEMA has been cited, well, where were you? And in many ways, people forget that FEMA originally was an economic response agency. It was there to write the checks. It was a second responder. But over the years, in the 25 years since all of that time, it has evolved into a first responder at a national level. And so this seems to take that a step further. Not that it's ever been FEMA's fault. It's just that it's always a step behind its in authority of of what the nation needs of it. And so, David, what are some of the other forms FEMA's support role would take if that definition of disaster is expanded in the Stafford Act the way the Benz Group is recommending? Well, one of the things that was focused on fairly heavily was an overhaul of FEMA's National Response Coordination Center. Benz proposed using it to build a better network of first responders and civic organizations, as well as less traditional organizations like businesses that want to assist, but don't have a clear path to offer or coordinate that assistance. That was apparently another big sticking point in the early pandemic response. And part of that would also involve more coordination with the national strategic stockpile. There's a need to understand exactly what essential resources and supplies need to be in that stockpile. And those resources and supplies often have shelf lives, so there needs to be more coordination with the vendors that supply them. One thing that was proposed was a contract structure that would be issued before a crisis even begins. The government would pay a nominal fee to vendors to hold capacity and capabilities until the government actually needs them in time of crisis. Again, this primarily comes down to taking advantage of FEMA's role as a support agency, coordinating resources and responses to crises, while allowing the agencies with expertise to actually lead. Interesting. I've heard a lot of people that we've interviewed in the weeks and months since the pandemic has started, and they all say, well, that national stockpile has to be there because here we were buying all these masks from China. But as you point out and Ben's pointed out, these things do have half-lives. You don't want to be shipping 10-year-old cans of Dinty Moore beef stew that have started to expand because they're going bad. And so... What do you stockpile? I guess that probably that level of detail didn't come up, but it's what you stockpile and then figure out how to turn over the inventory, I guess, is what they're what they're trying to convey here. That's exactly what they want FEMA to start managing. 
All right. Well, let's see if they listen. Federal News Network's David Thornton, thanks so much for that report. Thank you, Tom. Check out his story at federalnewsnetwork.com. We now bring you a special presentation from our friends at WEPA. Shane, thanks for joining us. Can you tell us about WEPA and your new podcast? Mike, great to see you again. The podcast series, Lessons in Leadership, what we're trying to do is, is take a deeper dive, a different angle into the conversation around leadership with great leaders at all levels of government. Uh, since the 1900s, leadership has been studied in a serious and academic way. Uh, great man theory, the leader-follower theory, the inspirational leader, transformational leader, all of these are backward-looking um, development of styles, looking at an individual, figuring out how they did leadership, and then translating it into a form that we can use today to learn, to perhaps emulate, copy. But great leaders, they have more than one style. I think I truly think that a great leader can adapt and transform into the role that's needed at that time. So what we're trying to do is, is talk to great leaders and go a level deeper. Tell us about your, a story in your past. Tell us an inspiration that really affected your ability to lead others. And this certainly applies in the uh, federal space. The federal government, it's over 2 million employees, Great leaders are throughout the federal government, both at the top and the middle ranks. And what we want to do is ask them to pull inside their memory, pull inside their personal history, find those moments in time when they were changed, they were inspired, they learned something about leadership from another person, perhaps it was uh, from themselves, and they brought that to the workplace, and they inspired other and became great leaders. So that's what we're trying to do with the podcast. Okay, so I, I get that you wanted to start with leadership, but what makes leadership such an important topic right now for federal workers? Great question. Leadership today is tested like never before. Um, today's, if I had to put a leadership style, if I had to put names to it, we hear about um, empathetic, we hear transparent, we hear uh, inspirational. So today we have COVID, we have a down economy, we have people, we have social uh, injustice that we're dealing with. There are many new factors. And it's drawing like never before on a leader's ability to pull from within themselves and adapt to the current change. So leadership today is almost brand new again. We're taking all kinds of different styles, attributes, learnings that leaders have. They're looking at the current situation that we're in and understanding how do I move groups of people? How do I move my employees? How do I inspire? How do I get them to the next best place? So I think leadership today, this conversation uh, is extremely relevant, perhaps more relevant than it's been in several decades. You know, we talk about an employee's personal route to growth, but what role does the management side have in this? I think in the federal government, it's, it's a little bit different than it is in the private sector. Uh, my father was a civilian federal employee. 
Uh, he joined the federal government in the 1960s. Uh, John Kennedy, he was inspired by ask not what your country can do for you, but what you can do for your country. He had opportunities to go in the private sector. That notion of service inspired him. It inspired an entire generation. I would like to think that call to service, which is unique in, in the federal space, in the government space, still exists today. Well, that about says it all, but is anything else you'd want the audience to know about you personally or WEPA as an organization? Uh, I have been uh, around the group affinity insurance world for um, three decades. I've led this is my second uh, major organization that I've led. And I will tell you that we impart this feeling, uh, you mentioned it, Mike, about service, this notion. We serve those who serve. And uh, I will tell you that it's refreshing. It's a blessing to be there. And I have so much respect for civilian federal employees at every level of government. In this podcast, we're hoping to talk to leaders which are similarly inspired and can share their learnings over a lifetime. And uh, this will be useful information uh, for anybody in government service. Grab a 30-day free trial of Live by Live Plus, and you'll get unlimited skips, commercial-free music, and all of the podcasts and live streaming events you can handle. Visit livexlive.com slash podcast one to learn more and start your free trial.